Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome on today's episode of Partially Excited. We've got Mark Jarrod. This guy is the business WhatsApp guy. He's groups upon groups and he's famous on the LinkedIn department and he is the connector. If you think of anybody that wants to connect, Mark's your guy. Hello, welcome to the show, Mark. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thanks for having me, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Mark, where are you from? Uh, I was born in uh, Hertfordshire. Spent my formative years in Hertfordshire, Suffolk, Norfolk and Dusseldorf in Germany. Then 10 years in London. Then I uh, moved to Germany and spent a long time there in Hamburg, up in North Germany for 10 years. And then moved to Tenerife in the Canary Islands, thanks to the World Wide Web. Because I knew that um, my future lay online in the early noughties. And so Tim Berners-Lee is a hero of mine for making it possible. And then from there, I googled best town in Britain, which led me to a website with Phil and Kirsty, the property people in the UK. And according to them, Winchester in Hampshire was the best town in England. But I already knew Winchester, so I wanted to live somewhere I didn't know. So it went for number two, which was Horsham in West Sussex, which is between London and Brighton. Wow, you've really travelled around the world. Bits of it, yeah. So let's let's kind of break down your your story of what did your parents do at the time? My father was a research chemist for ICI. Uh, He uh, has patented, I think it's 12 patents in the chemical processes space. Uh, He invented Melanex, which is a very tough plastic, and also something to do with the spacesuits. He was a property developer and he was also an amateur sleuth. So a lady died in 1990 called Dorothea Allen, but she wasn't who she said she was. 
and she led a secretive life. So her real relatives were unaware of her. And it was a huge mystery. And all the genealogists were saying this mystery cannot be solved. They were wrong because my father solved it thanks to a, a wall in Sheffield. And through that wall, he, he managed to find who the real heirs were. Eventually, the money was handed out to the rightful heirs of that fortune. So a really interesting guy. My mother was his au pair for a while, and uh, she was a German lady. I'm actually half German. I speak it fluently, um, and hence the, you know, the countless trips to Germany back and forth when I was younger to visit my grandparents. Yeah, wonderful couple, but they're both not with us anymore. I, I think of them every day. Jeannie, trips as a kid going to Germany must have been the high life of your, of your childhood for the summertime, you know? It was really weird because Britain in the 1970s was quite a, uh, a sick child. Uh, there was a lot of industrial strife, there were power cuts. Uh, it was known as the sick man of Britain. And then I went over to Dusseldorf in, in North Rhine-Westphalia in Germany. It was this sort of brand new shining uh, metropolis full of, you know, very modern and new. And so the, the contrast between the two countries was, was quite stark. What did you learn traveling around as a kid? You learn people, you learn cultures. Uh, I actually wrote a piece about my journey as an English dual, German dual national. In Britain in the 1970s, there was actually quite a lot of anti-German sentiment. So I, I tended to keep my German side private when I was at school because uh, I was bullied for being German. So even though I'm white Caucasian, you can get racist bullying, even though if you're uh, white. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, travel, traveling definitely broadens the mind. That's why about six months after the referendum, I decided to get out of my metropolitan elite bubble and go and visit the only part of the UK that I've never been to, and that's the northeast of England. So I asked my wife if she wanted to join me for a trip to Scunthorpe and Grimsby, and she, she wasn't that keen, so I went by myself. I just wanted to meet people who were outside of my normal kind of circle and understand more about the uh, mindset of people elsewhere. And I went into a pub for about eight hours for the longest ever pub session that I, I can remember. And I met about 30 uh, people and I asked them all how they voted in the referendum. Guess how many Remainers I encountered? 40%. None. Zero. I didn't meet a single Remainer. That reinforced to me how disenfranchised some parts of the UK feel. And it's almost like it was a protest vote. Have you been to Scunthorpe or Grimsby? The only place in the UK I've been to is Birmingham and London. I've never been anywhere else, or not Nottingham, but everywhere else. No, I haven't. But UK, like Ireland, is, it seems to have a fantastic landscape in some way, you know? London is almost like a separate country to the rest of the UK. Inside the M25, which is, as you know, the world's largest ring road, um, the, the mindset is totally different. It's cosmopolitan, dynamic, and I think it's the, the world's best city myself. It competes with New York as the, the, the world's global city. 
But I prefer London because of its randomness, architecturally speaking. I can't stand those American blocks, you know, where everything's in straight lines. But, you know, both cities are great, but the fact that I'm half British might have something to do with my love affair with London. As a, as a Londoner, you're probably a cosmopolitan lifestyle is very custom to you and used to you, right? Yeah, when I lived in London, I was actually um, a banker and a futures broker. And this was shortly after something called the Big Bang, when the whole city opened up. Greed was good. I mean, there was a, there was a movie called Wall Street with Michael Douglas. Do you remember that movie? Yes. Yeah, so it was all like that. Money, money, money. Uh, I was working all hours God sends. I was working UK hours and American hours. And I'm, I'm glad I did it then and not now. Yeah, it's it's interesting how we all, when it becomes successful, the cost is burnout in some way. Yes, and uh, in that time there, doing that, I, I learned that money doesn't make you happy, uh, but it's impossible to be happy without it. But I met a lot of people who uh, are totally money-driven, had bundles of money, but they some of them were utterly paranoid and miserable individuals. I'd say you were one of the million that weren't like that. I've known what it's like to have money. I know what it's like not to have money. Of the two, I prefer having it. I think people that are totally driven by money, I find it a little bit off-putting, to be honest. And that's why I'm a little bit anti-multi-level marketing, um, which is transactional right from the get-go. I believe in social selling, building up relationships with people beforehand. Because at the end of the day, business boils down to people and trust. So I'm I'm building and curating these ecosystems in which people feel safe to transact with one another over time. It takes time. I think that the world focuses on social, culture, relationships, then sell, 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 money, money, money. And if you look at all the European cultures, it's it's based on relationship. Then I know money is part of it, but it identifies the component of, you know, the relationship is far more powerful. Absolutely. And probably as a, as a young fellow traveling around back and forth to the UK and Germany, you probably got to understand mindset and culture and relationships. Totally. And the mindset varies within the countries as well. Like in Dusseldorf, you can meet people quite quickly and uh, make friends with people quite quickly. But it is what the Germans call Oberflächlich, which is superficial. Whereas in Hamburg, in North Germany, it takes much longer to get that handshake. But when you do, it's for life, you know. So even within countries, the mindset is enormously different. Yeah, it's like in Morocco, they tap your heart and say salam, and that's their, their handshake. It's interesting how different cultures have their version of a handshake. Yes. Within the UK, personally, I prefer, in some ways, I prefer Northerners because they they seem more authentic and uh, have more time. Whereas um, the Southerners like me are busy, busy, busy. No one's got any time. These sort of um, crass generalizations are a bit dangerous. At the end of the day, we're all human beings. I tend to seek out the best people like you and it's the law of attraction at work. When did that that switch in your head come on where it's more about finding the best and relationships than finding business and money. 
think it was a, a, a process that maybe kicked in in my late 30s and throughout my 40s and a process and it's definitely uh, something relevant to me now. Thing is, when, you, when you're a young person, or at least in my case, I tended to be more materialistic, wanted stuff, you know, cars, clothes, gadgets and whatnot. But as I've got older, I've learned that material goods don't make you happy. In fact, I subscribe more to a minimalist mindset now. There was a great movie on, uh, on Netflix yeah. about minimalism. Life is about family and friends. That's what makes you happy, not stuff. Simplicity is the key to be happy. Yeah, I think so. And when did you discover mindsets? I guess I've always, um, I've always taken an interest in mindsets because I have one and we all do. And I just take an interest in human beings. I've inherited that trait from my parents, both of whom loved engaging with people. It didn't matter if it was the street cleaner or a captain of industry. They took interest in people and would engage with strangers. And I've definitely inherited that trait from them. I just love people. That's such a rare trait to have today where you have interest in people and now it's all about likes, engagement, how much people you can gather instead of just chatting mm. with in the street for a pint or whatever. That's such a rare accommodation now. It's actually treated with suspicion. You know, if you if you go up to strangers and talk to them, some of them are receptive to it and love it, but others think, Who are you? This is weird. <laughs> don't don't talk to me. I'm a gregarious chappy. I uh, always have been, always will be. I've always enjoyed connecting people. Um, I spent the rump of my career, by the way, in telecoms. So I, I got bored with the banking and the financial world. Uh, I've always been f fascinated with telephony. So I spent most of my career in telecoms. I was first to market with ringtones and logos in the UK back in the early noughties. Um, it only worked with Nokia, but back then, every other person had a Nokia. Um, and I went into the, all the red tops with something called Logo Paradise. Yeah. So that was uh, the Sun, the Sport, the, the Mail, the Mirror, the Evening Standard. It was a quarter page ad where you could just buy icons and ringtones for your mobile phone, your, your Nokia. Unfortunately, I couldn't patent the underlying technology or idea. A lot of people copied it. And then a few months later, I came over to the UK and I bought the Daily Star, which you probably don't read. Um, <laughs> but there were 14, one four, full page ads just with these logos and ringtones. So the market just totally exploded. And now, of course, it's, it's irrelevant. Everyone's got smartphones, but it was fun while it lasted. A few years later, I launched the world's first celebrity chat line where people could call and speak to celebrities and raise money for good causes. The Logos and Ringtones was a phenomenal success, but the celebrity chat line was a phenomenal failure because the celebrities kept all the money. The idea was to raise money for charity, but they kept all the money. I had visions of them handing over the money with those big you know, promotional checks and whatnot but it never came to pass. But at least I tried. As a guy who figures out networking and products, like how do you know if it's going to be a success or a failure? You just never know. 
I mean, in about the year 2008, I think it was, I approached the Daily Mirror with an idea which I thought was fantastic, where you record a recording of a greeting uh, via a premium rate number, and then a computer figure speaks your message. And it was really clever tech. And I thought it was a great way to send someone a greeting card. And the Daily Mirror agreed. They thought it was a great idea. They put it on the home page of their website in the run up to Christmas. Perfect timing, loads of eyeballs. And we sold about, I think, seven e-cards with this uh, computer cartoon figure speaking in their voice. So another total flop. But it, you've got to be in it to win it and try these things. And if you don't, then nothing happens. Winston Churchill once said, success consists of going from failure to failure without lack of enthusiasm. So I'm trying to remain enthusiastic. I love that quote. It describes like it describes life in a nutshell, you know. He came out with some golden, golden quotes, did Winston. And it's a huge description of life because, you know, we all have successes, but what we do is, and remember is our failures of what we didn't didn't do or did do. And I think that's a huge element of human material that's gone wrong and take your successes, forget about your failures, you know. I'm so glad that you're in my network. And I, you've recently, I think, engaged with more Americans than in the past. Is that correct? I think so, I'm not 100% sure. One thing I love about the United States of America is it's okay to fail and if you do make it you've made it and and people kind of respect you and pat you on the back virtually of course in the uk success is people tend to be more suspicious and jealous uh, if, if you're successful if you fail in the uk you're a loser but in 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 the states uh, it's okay it's a rites of passage almost again these are dangerous generalizations, but I'm just sharing with you my thoughts on, on the mindset of both countries. But I love the United Kingdom. I love this small island of nations. I think we punch way above our weight on the on the world stage. When you think about, you know, the, um, the pharmaceutical, the industries, the um, manufacturing, the, the brain power that we have, and it also the cultural in the arts, you know, look at you too. They've become a global brand. They're Irish. You should be proud. We're just incredible considering how small we are. I'm uh, honored to be uh, part of this uh, nation. And as for my German side, I, as I said, I used to hide my German side. But then in 2006, Germany hosted the World Cup, the football FIFA World Cup. So a lot of Brits that wouldn't normally go to Germany went there and they came back saying, wow, great people, great food, great countryside, Germany rocks. And then from that point onwards, I decided not to hide my German side, but to actually embrace it. There's a lot to be proud of. Germany really is the world leader when it comes to manufacturing stuff. I mean, who doesn't want to have an Audi? But they also make stuff like industrial suction pumps and boring widgets that are totally bland, but very, very necessary. Germany, a nation of craftsmen and 
they're the world's um, number one. Uh, China might be the world's number one exporter. But anyway, the Germans make stuff that people buy. That's what I love about Europe as well is the fact that you've got so many different cultures living next to each other. You know, the mindset of the French uh, is, is totally different from that of the Germans, yet the two countries border one another. It's fantastic. Have you been to France? I have. I've been to Spain, France. I don't think I've been to Germany. I've been to Austria. I love traveling. I've been to Morocco. I lived in America. I've toured in Taiwan. I've seen bits of China, but I want to know why did it take so long for you to come accustomed to the identification of being German? Uh, it was partly due to what I alluded to earlier on because of the anti-German sentiment in, in the United Kingdom. Um, I, I kind of felt that there was um, a lot of hostility towards Germans, so that's why I kept it uh, my German side private, if you like. However, when I was in Germany and they learned that I was half English, it was totally different. It was um, like they were almost honoured to be engaging with someone who was from the uh, still just uh, United Kingdom. So anyway, over the years I've always enjoyed connecting people. I've actually created human beings by acting as Cupid, but now I'm doing my uh, connecting in a professional capacity and I run 158 WhatsApp groups. By the end of today, it might be 159. <laughs> and each WhatsApp group has got its own theme. So that might be education, biotech, um, construction, precious metals, um, you name it. There's, there's, there's a WhatsApp group for everything. If there isn't, I'll go ahead and create one because I'm taking a long tail approach. So I, I don't know anything about biotech, okay? But what I do know is when you get two or more people in the same room that have an interest in biotech, it's more likely to lead to a meeting of minds, which might lead to a friendship and a transaction. I love that, connecting minds to create a juggernaut of energetic mind power. Yes, and uh, there's some wonderful people in my network. I'm in awe of great minds you know i flunked university because i got distracted by wine women and song um so I, I didn't go to university i went to the university of life but some of these people you know mit harvard you name it the top 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 brains all i do is connect them to to others i'm the facilitator if you like to to create these uh, these connections and it's wonderful very rewarding to watch these friendships being forged I'm a great believer in social selling, so building up those human connections first and then the money will come. Another thing that's important to, to me is, um, or my ethos is open, random and supportive. So it's the antithesis to corporate thinking because corporates tend to be very closed and secretive. Whereas I'm the precise opposite. Um, and I'm finding that people that suffer from trauma which you obviously have throughout uh, in their lifetimes, they often come out the other side much stronger individuals. My, my trauma was the fact that um, my parents split up when I was quite young and my mother was an alcoholic and I was raised by my father. When people share their trauma, it cuts through all the BS in a way. You, you automatically feel closer to, to people. 
And the other thing that I feel quite strongly about is helping women. I, I find it outrageous that only 3% of venture capitalists, for example, are women. So some of my groups are specifically aimed at women. So that would be the Powerful Women Group, Women Engineers Unite, or Women uh, Venture Capitalists. And it's rather wonderful watching these friendships unfold by connecting them to one another. And uh, it's a beautiful thing to, to watch unfold. The real magic uh, happens in the small niche groups. One of my niches groups would be women SQL developers. I mean, how, how niche do you want to go? Uh, it's a programming language and it's a very small group, but because these people are all into that programming language, they kind of bond with each other quicker. It's the long tail, you know, they, they have an interest in that. I don't even know what SQL stands for. Do you? I don't. <laughs> squirrel, squirrel anonymous, but uh, I don't yeah. know what it stands for. <laughs> well, someone suggested that I do that, and I did, and it's working. And it's wonderful to watch these groups work their magic. I regard WhatsApp as a conduit between LinkedIn, which is arguably the world's least social social network, and places like Remo and Zoom, where the real magic happens, where you can actually see and hear the people that you're engaging with. Remo, by the way, is like Zoom on steroids. I helped launch it last year, and it replicates a real-world networking environment far more accurately than Zoom does. So on Zoom, you have these breakout rooms, but I call them virtual prisons, because once you're inside them, you can't move around freely like you would in a real-world networking environment. Whereas in Remo, you have 20 tables, and you can like hover around the room and work a room, if you like, like you would in real life. I've got a room in Remo which is always open and I recently launched something called neverendingnetworking.com where people throughout the world can just pop in there and network when they're in the mood uh, and meet incredible people. So I hope to see you in there more often. How did it feel when your parents split up? It probably created this huge trauma that took a while to heal and to identify your true talents. Oh, it's devastating because um, I couldn't work out what I had done wrong. And I, I, I hated myself. I cut my legs with razor blades and uh, hit my head against the wall. I felt like a worthless child. So yeah, it affected me. And I, I then picked up a really nasty uh, gambling habit um, because I found that when I was gambling on, on slot machines, that my um, problems and pain would disappear. Is you go into a sort of zone when you're gambling on these machines. Have you ever played a slot machine? I haven't, but I played it like on video games and all that, but not in Las Vegas or in a casino. Well, I've, I've been to Las Vegas about uh, 15 times, and every time I go there, I'm delighted to arrive, but I'm also delighted to leave it because I'm a gambler. It's the city of gambling, and it's not good for me. Steve Wynn is desperate to have me back. I keep getting emails from their hotels offering me a free room and free money to gamble with. I've got that, that habit under control now. In fact, gambling, if you've got gambling under control, it can be a great night out, you know. It's one of the few nights where you can come back home with more money than you 
than you went out with. But if you're in the grip of gambling addiction, it's a, a nasty, insidious addiction to have. The fact that Denise Coates, who's the CEO of Bet365, took home, she's the highest paid CEO in the UK a couple of years ago. But it leaves a bitter taste in my mouth because she made that money on the back of compulsive gambling. It's uh, pretty rampant in, in the UK. I mean, we, the 2006 Gaming Act turned, turned things on their head. And uh, there's something called fixed odd betting terminals in, in the betting shops in the UK. £100 a spin. I mean, the fact that that was ever allowed in the first place is outrageous. Anyway, the law has changed and it's now been capped at £2. Yeah, that was uh, uh, an addiction that I, I, I fought with uh, for, for many years. Happy to report that it's no longer really an issue. It must have took a while, a long time to, to overcome that addiction because it's such a, an easy addiction to have, it's something like drinking and drugs, but yeah. it's great to hear that you over, overcome it and you have it under control now, you know? Yeah. yeah. Do you regret going to university? I didn't go to university. No, but do you regret not doing it? The Germans have got a great word for that, yeah, and yes and no. <laughs> um, I, I think the value of a degree now has been diluted uh, somewhat because there are so many out there. I don't think a degree is a prerequisite for success, but certainly if you want to become a professional person, like a lawyer or an accountant, then you definitely need to have a degree. And with, with all the people you've met throughout your 158 WhatsApp groups, do you see that a degree in the profession is regardless because, you know, the person has complete genius of what they want to do and passion about? Yes, but people who have got degrees and are professionals are usually the first people to admit that a degree isn't a prerequisite to success. And in fact, people like Lord Sugar, for example, you know, left school at 16 and look what happened to him. You know, uh, it, it's not necessary that the golden ticket for, for success, but it, I guess it helps. And that's why I'm so delighted that my son, who turned 20 last month, recently got into Goldsmiths University in, in London and he's going to be studying music and tech. It can only help. And uh, the, the, the peers, you know, the people he's meeting now uh, are all aspirational, driven individuals. I'm quite jealous, actually. I wish we could swap. I'd, I'd love to, <laughs> to move back to London now. Mind you, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so it's not the same. How do you manage all those 185 WhatsApp groups? With ease. I much prefer WhatsApp to email because with WhatsApp, the new messages float to the top. So I just deal with them. My, um, my favorite strapline is Nike's strapline. Just do it. Um, just deal with these messages as they come in, interact with people, engage with them, take an interest in them, take an interest in what they're doing, remember what they're doing. That helps when making introductions. Yeah, uh, occasionally I take a digital detox. I think that's important as well. When you're working in a digital environment like I am the whole time, you know, it's important to connect with nature and, and go out and switch off. I can't believe some people pay money for a digital detox. It's so simple. It's called the off button. And when I do that, sure, when I come back, there are more messages and waiting for me. But it's not the end of the world. If, you know, it's, uh, as long as you deal with the messages and respond to people, that's the main thing. I think nature is so important 
I know it's a pandemic right now, but regardless if you're living in a tech bubble, that's all on, 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 and it can burn you out. So nature becomes a huge grounding force to be able to connect back to the genius that we are. Absolutely, and I've got a love-hate relationships with smartphones because on the one hand, they, it's my sat-nav, it's my dictionary, it's my radio, it's my TV, it's my everything. It's such a useful device. On the other hand, these smartphones are killing off the communications that matter the most, the human ones. If you walk down any high street or, or go in a bus or train, everyone's just constantly glued to their smartphones, which has become a kind of second brain. People aren't engaging with each other as much as they used to because they're just constantly looking at these bloody smartphones. I'd say that frustrates you as a networker and communicator. It's like, I want to communicate with people on the bus and they're all the headphones in, looking at screens. Yeah, exactly. They're basically saying, don't talk to me. Yeah. I like that you describe WhatsApp as a in-between Facebook and Remo and Zoom because it's such an easy tool. And you probably have a rake of tools and your toolbox that you love using to connect people, to identify if they're a good fit for this market, that market, etc. Absolutely. And uh, there's a huge paradox with WhatsApp. It's, um, it's pretty much u- ubiquitous. There are two billion people use it. It's the world's number one messaging platform. The one country that doesn't use it that much is the United States of America, where it was born. And there's a huge irony there because it's an American product. So recently I've been showing Americans how to use WhatsApp and it's opened their eyes to a whole new world, quite literally. So not only can I teach them how to use WhatsApp, but more importantly, I can open up my black book and introduce them to amazing people like you. And that's the thing, everyone's amazing, you know? People are like, oh no, no, I'm amazing. But yeah, you know, we're all, we're all amazing. Technology has been getting a lot of bad rap recently. We all know that they've got sophisticated algorithms that do this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, this tech, is facilitating human connections and that's a good thing and not a bad thing mark if there was one piece of advice that you could give someone what would it be the greater the difficulty the greater the glory never give up if you have the courage to begin you have the courage to succeed and that would be my advice and to try and remain optimistic despite adversity and to to share love and help people if you can. I love it. We all help help each other. And if someone was new to network marketing or networking and they knew nothing about it, what should they do? They should reach out to me. <laughs> and I'll teach them. Uh, and, and no prizes for getting uh, guessing the best way to, to reach me uh, is WhatsApp. So my number is country code 44 7906786505 just ping me a message on, on whatsapp i'll then um, send you a menu of all my uh, whatsapp groups and then you can cherry pick the ones that resonate with you i'll send you an invite and then when you join the group you just say in first person hi everyone my name's jenny or whatever I do this, I want that, and a fun fact to show your human side, like a hobby or something you've done. 
family and then include your LinkedIn URL at the end. You know, because LinkedIn is awesome, really, at the end of the day. It's just a not particularly social, social network. But at least with LinkedIn, people can see what you've done and what you do, etc. And when people join my groups on WhatsApp, their LinkedIn activity goes through the roof because people reach out to them on, on LinkedIn. So it's a, another way that they can connect. Of course, the ultimate connection would be a nice big meal and a, a fabulous glass of wine face to face. But in the absence of that possibility, the next best thing is a, a meeting on, uh, on one of the video platforms as, as we discussed. Zoom has become the go-to. There's the Zoom boom at the moment, but there's also Zoom burnout. I'm migrating more to remote because of what I told you about with the, the whole networking aspect. But yeah, I mean, it's much easier to learn about a human being when you can actually engage with them that way. Whereas with WhatsApp, the WhatsApp groups, it's all text driven. But as I say, it's a great go-between between the two platforms. Facebook itself, I don't get on with uh, myself. Everyone's got their own platforms. Um, I find Facebook a little bit too overwhelming and too sophisticated for my primitive brain. And that's why I like WhatsApp because it's actually not that complex. Do you have a mentor, Mark? Yeah, Eugene Gottesman. And he founded and then sold the New York Yellow Pages back in the 60s. Oh, sorry, he, he founded it in the 60s and sold it in 1985. And then he went on to create Gottesman Company, which has grown to become America's largest network of independent M&A brokers, mergers and acquisitions. They've got about 100 companies for sale on their books who are lower mid-market, profitable companies, mainly retirement situations. He turned 91 a couple of weeks ago, and he's sharper than most people half his age. And I attribute that to the fact that he never stopped working. And he's a lovely guy. He's a bit of a rascal, like me. He can be a bit naughty, but he's my mentor and I love him dearly. We all need a mentor because it teaches us elements about us and it progresses our progress three times faster than going by ourselves, you know? Absolutely. And it's a symbiotic relationship because the mentee learns from the mentor, but the mentor also learns from the mentee. I mean, there's a good chance if the mentee is a young individual that's into Snapchat, the mentor won't have a clue what Snapchat is about. So the mentee can teach the mentor as well about other things. I love a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Mark, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing on the share. It's been a blast. Likewise, it's been an absolute pleasure. Is it, is it finished? Yeah. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.